Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.yale.edu slash sustainable food. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan Mara Evans. I'm a student farm manager with the Yale Sustainable Food Program. Joining me in the studio today is Shake Shack's culinary director, Mark Rosati. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So let's let's start from square one. What what is a culinary director? What what exactly is it that you do? So what I do for Shake Shack is I make sure the core of our menu is very much intact every time we open a new Shake Shack, be it our hamburgers are delicious and juicy as they are from our flagship in New York City to when we open in, say, uh, London, our first location, making sure that same experience and feel that we are known for having with our burgers and our french fries is very much intact. And at the same time, what I also try to do every time we open up a new location is add a little more to the dialogue and try to reflect that new town or community that we're opening in to try to give it a little bit of a local flavor. If it's if it's done right in my mind, people will look at that Shake Shack and go, huh, this, this must have been opened by somebody from this town because they, they kind of get us. Like, you know, they know that that, that like little cake that we all eat during the holidays, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in making in this town, it's on their menu. And it's a really good version of it too. And they're blending in this this frozen custard stuff that's kind of unique and fun. That's what we're trying to do. We're definitely trying to bring the core of our menu while at the same time expanding and making something new and fun. Great. So what kind of culinary experience did you have before becoming the culinary director of Shake Shack? I mean, as I understand it, you, you had a little bit of stint at, at Grand Mercy. Uh, was there anything before that? How did the work at Grand Mercy kind of lead you to becoming the culinary director? I have to say 90% of it came from Grand Mercy Tavern. Before that, I did not work in this business and I had no intention to. It was a, kind of a comedy of errors how I came to even work in Grand Mercy in the first place, which... Uh, I was living in New York City. I was going to college there, and I've always known of Gramercy's reputation for fine food and also great cocktails and wine service, but also their real fantastic hospitality. So when I was pulling pulling my little bit of money together to go and go to a Gramercy tavern, I remember sitting down for the first time and falling in love with all those different elements when they came together. I still remember my server's name. He doesn't work there anymore. I can remember. I had five course tasting menu. I can remember all the different dishes and how they made me feel. And then I just walked away. I think I called a friend and go, I just had the most wonderful meal I ever had. It was lunch too. So for the rest of the day, I was completely feeling restorative. I was on cloud nine. I was like, wow, I can't, I, that was the best meal I've ever had. So I had a lot of experiences with Gramercy Tavern, like birthdays, uh, parties. So it was a restaurant I knew intimately from being a, a fan. I had met the chef about 15 years ago at a food and wine event. At the time, it was uh, Tom Colicchio. Um, and I just started peppering with questions about how they cooked uh, their steaks and their chicken. I'm like, because I, I go home. I tried cooking that steak. Mine didn't come out like yours. What are you doing differently? And he's like, well, you know, you got to let it rest. And then you slice it. We, we put a little bit of sea salt on at the very end to bring up that, that saltiness and bring out the flavors. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm not doing that at home. That That's where the disconnect is, man. So he's like, if you ever want to come in and watch us cook, here's my card. We'd love to have you in one day. So that was amazing. I took his card. I called him the next day, and I went in that Sunday to actually watch them cook. And I got to stand next to the cooks on every single station in the kitchen over about a four-hour period at nighttime. 
And I remember when I get over to the guy cooking meat, the smell of a steak coming out of the oven with uh, butter being basted around it with fresh thyme and garlic, I was hooked. I'm like, I, I want to learn how to do this. And I said that to uh, Tom, and he was like, he, he kind of laughed lightly. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, it looks fun, but it's very hard, very demanding. So I worked for free for two months because I wanted to learn. I wanted to show I had the the dedication to drive and to myself too because I didn't even know if I could hang with these guys. They were all pretty cool. They all had like burns on their arms and like they – they look rough and tumble. I was like, I, I think I can get away with these guys. But they're all really nice people, and they're very sharing with their knowledge. After two months, I was offered a job. So I actually learned most of what I know from Gramercy Tavern. And then after a year and a half with Tom, he left. And then the new chef, Mike Anthony, came on, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal chef. So to have the experience of seeing two amazing chefs work in a similar space, to see that transition period in styles – and also their approach to food. Uh, Mike, Mike champions local, he, he champions sustainability, and I learned a lot of lessons from him about where he was getting his, uh, his uh, livestock from and his vegetables and what was important to him and why. Um, so lessons that I still kind of look back on these days when I think about what we're doing at Shake Shack, but pretty much everything I learned technique-wise and about the business too started the Gramercy Tavern. So, and you underwent a transition too from, you know, being a line cook to then saying, well, I want to learn like managerial work. Yes. Could you talk about that transition? Yes. How did you, how did you make the jump from the line to, you know, the, the tip top? That that, that was very difficult to do at the time because I was always interested in just the restaurant business. I mean, I liked the front of the house, the back of the house. You know, I was even curious about like the guy that would come and fix the stove. Like, what's his story? Like, how does he, how do you learn how to become... Uh, you know, a craftsman in this angle. So after cooking, I had the choice of either staying at Gramercy and continuing to grow as a cook and maybe into a sous chef and all that. And I also thought about maybe going to a few other restaurants in New York and maybe learning how to cook Italian food. Um, there was one opening in our company for management, front of the house management, it was Shake Shack. And I thought about that. I go, huh, that, that could be fun because that's a completely different skill set. That could be a challenge to me. So I went there to apply for the job, and I think the general manager at the time could feel I had like one foot in and one foot out because while I, I knew it was one of our restaurants and I knew it had a lot of the same um, elements that made all, all of our other restaurants very successful, um, I was still thinking I'm going back to be cooking burgers. You know, like I feel like I'm in high school all over again. I, I kind of did that. I want to learn to cook, you know, like the foie gras. And uh, – I remember like talking to the general manager. He's like, okay, listen, you seem interested, but why don't you come in one day and actually spend some time in the kitchen, maybe cook some burgers in the middle of the summer, scoop some milkshakes, and then, then let's talk again. And it wasn't until I actually went into Shake Shack and saw the quality of the ingredients and also the thoughtful process that went into how those ingredients were cooked, which was nothing like I had ever seen before. I mean, I had cooked burgers when I was younger, but the way they were cooking burgers and the way they were making milkshakes, it was almost like... It was almost like four-star technique being added to the humble milkshake and burger. So at that point, I think I was hooked. I said, I want to join your team. I want to be part of this. And why I think it would have, was a good transition for me was because Shake Shack is pretty much one big glorified kitchen with a small front of the house. So I looked at saying, like, this is a kitchen. I feel comfortable in this environment. But yet I am still going to have to step outside and make sure the people that are eating the burgers and enjoying the milkshakes are having a good time and interact with them. At the same time, also learn how to 
manage employees. So it actually seemed like an easier transition than actually going to maybe a different restaurant. Gotcha. So one of, one of your responsibilities as a culinary director, as I've read it, is whenever Shake Shack opens up in a new city, you kind of go on like, you know, a week or a two week long food tour of, of the foodscape to see, you know, what the local flavors are, what the local personalities are. When, when you go out on, on these quests, what, what do you have in mind? Are you trying to like search for an authentic version of like an Atlanta or an Istanbul? What, what's going through your head when you're you know, stopping through all these local joints? You know, to be honest, the first, the first trip to a new country or city is a little, it's a little scary at first because what I try to do is make that first day a solo mission in town. I don't really want to be shown around by a local. I don't want to... Uh, read too much about going into. I read the broad strokes. I could tell you going to Atlanta, like you know, like the Southern cuisine and what what Southern cuisine exactly they're known for, and maybe a few uh, amazing chefs there that are not to be messed. But all I want to do is is touch down and just start to walk around the streets and and maybe find a coffee shop, find a good coffee shop, go in there, start to find like-minded people that I always assume if they're putting so much care into making amazing coffee and curing great baked goods. These are probably people that when they get off work, they're going to probably go to a great little bar or a great restaurant, and they're probably more connected into the culinary scene than most other people are looking from the outside. So a lot of it is just me spending time by myself and having those first impressions that I put so much value on because to look at it with you know fresh eyes and, and react to something for the first time. I remember when I went to London, uh, the first place I went to actually was a burger place. And these guys were considered to be one of the finest hamburger uh, restaurants in all of London. And to walk in the door and try the burger by myself right away, I knew why I liked it and why if I lived in London, I would be at this place all the time. It was the bun. It was it was the craft beer. They were peering with the burger. It was the feeling of, of the space. It was a very kind of a humble place, but it had a, a kind of a nice um, mellow feel to it. I felt like I could hang out there all day. I felt like I want to bring my computer, sit it up, and like just start to do some work while enjoying my burger. That's a very special feeling. Burger in to, one hand, exactly, in the other. To, to linger. And I was like, wow, you don't really find that at too many burger places. People, it's always about that kind of quick environment, about getting someone in and out. This place is like, hey, we make great burgers. Why don't you linger over this great burger? So that really felt amazing to me. And... I would have not reacted to it if I had gone in there with someone else. And they were telling me why they like their favorite burger place. So I really want that connection I first make to be very personal. Something else I got from that first experience was I noticed all the burgers had a sweet topping on them, which, you know, as an American, I don't really see a lot of that. People usually tend to go more savory with maybe sauteed mushrooms or different cheeses or maybe mustard. Mustard's so popular in America, not, not too much ketchup. But there, with the love affair of, like, say, uh, Worcestershire sauce, uh, it was evident in the food. Every burger I had had, like, layers of sweetness, like be it a ketchup or a relish. And I took a bite into it, and I said, you know, this is something I would never create myself because these are not flavors I grew up eating. But to have it from someone else who's as passionate and cares a lot about their ingredients, but this is the flavors they like, what a difference did that make? I, for the first time, I actually could see an application for like ketchup on a hamburger, which I normally don't like to do. But again, these were all the kind of ideas I started to collect. And then when it was time to think about how Shake Shack could be a little different in these cities, those those like kind of thoughts, those experiences I 
I came back upon and said, well, what if we put a sausage on the menu? Maybe that had a sweet relish on it. You know, maybe that could work in this application here because it's more authentic, it's more honest to do it here because these are the flavors and tastes as I experience them. So another thing that makes Shake Shack, I think, different from a lot of other, you know, like global fast food or fast casual kind of chains is you're kind of pushed to connect with local producers, be it, you know, local winemakers, local brewers, you know, artisanal bakers. Could, could you comment a little bit more on that process of reaching out and finding those people who like work with Shake Shack? I remember uh, when I was working with Shake Shack, we, myself and one of my colleagues, we went out to Wisconsin to look at a, a manufacturer of frozen custard machines. And uh, we had a wonderful tour in the factory. It was really informative. And our host said, we'd love to take you out to dinner tonight. We have this little place. Now, it's not, it's not too much for you fancy New York guys, but we like it. It's, it's pretty delicious, and it's very uh, local. So I said, sign me up. I can't wait to go. And the minute we walked in, they offered to buy us a drink. And I looked behind the bar and saw 10 different tap handles of local beers that I had never heard of. And I didn't know what to choose. And the guy's like, well, why don't I give you a taste of everything? You tell me which one you want. As I kept tasting, they kept getting better and better and better and better. And I'm like, I've never heard of these. He goes, well, these are local brewers. He's like, if you live here, you know about these guys. They make the best beer. He's like, this is all we drink. These guys put a lot of love and care into this stuff. I'm like, I can tell this is all some of the most wonderful craft beer I've ever had. And I thought that was a really uh, great experience because as someone traveling, Going to this restaurant, I wanted to experience what Wisconsin had to offer. That night, I had an amazing pork chop. It had this Wisconsin cheddar potato gratin on the side that was amazing. Again, it was very localized, and it wasn't fancy, but it was just good and local, and it was completely heartwarming. So I said to myself, that's kind of something we have the ability of doing, as the first Shake Shack ever outside of New York City was in Florida. So right away in Miami, we found a local brewer. Because we wanted that location to taste a little bit like Miami, too, because, I mean, New York, we're very lucky to have a lot of amazing craft brewers, uh, craft chocolate makers, craft everything. It gives New York its special flavor, but we also want to highlight other great thoughts from different parts of the country or different cities where they think about stuff a little differently because of their upbringing. You know, again, like the person in London who grew up with a lot of uh, sweet elements around their meats. Uh, they're going to think differently about how they're going to craft a beer and what flavors they're going to accentuate or maybe recess and layer to create something unique for their palates. I want to go there and drink a beer that's going to be something a little different than I'm used to that's going to make me think. So as we go outwards, we try to find people that are like-minded, that care about quality and, and have something to say with what they're doing. Um, and it can be a winemaker. It can be a brewer. It can also be a baker. Um, I'm asked every now and then why, why we love to work with a lot of different bakeries. And the reason why is, as long as we spent time perfecting how to make a burger or a milkshake, there have been people spending double that time trying to perfect how to make the world's best brownie, or the world's best cookie. And if we set out today to make those cookies ourselves, we're so far behind the curve. So we'd rather find people that that's their passion and work with them and bring in their cookies and their brownies into Shake Shack and then blend it into one of our frozen concretes and then layer these flavors and make something more unique. It's almost something that's very uh, one of a kind because for most of the, our creations, like here in New Haven, we're working with uh, Scratch Bakery, amazing bakery. 
that is the only Shake Shack in the world where you're gonna get that concrete based off of that amazing blueberry lemon bar that was crafted in conjunction with Scratch. Gives that Shake Shack a little more kind of uniqueness. So I'm interested in how you balance this desire to, you know, make Shake Shack in, in each individual city kind of reflect the character or taste of that city. How do you balance that with the critique of, you know, Shake Shack coming in and at the end of the day, like being an outsider? And mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost inevitable that you're going to like take up some share of the market. Yes. And crowd out some of the very like local producers or local restaurants yep. that inspire your work. How, how do you navigate that? It's, it's something that we, what we try to do is we're really of the uh, opinion that all boats rise with the tide. If we're coming into a new city and we do burgers and there are other burger guys there, I always feel if each one of us has something unique to say about what we're doing, if our experiences are different, that there's enough to go around for everyone. I mean, living in New York City where there's uh, five burger places on every on every block, they're all still doing well because they all offer different ways of enjoying a hamburger within a different context. What makes us kind of unique is I think we occupy the middle ground, which a lot of places don't do so much, where you have your fast food burger, which is very inexpensive. It's very fast. And then you have more of your restaurant burger where it can be a little more expensive. It can be more of a commitment. What I think is great about Shake Shack is we offer the experience right in the middle where you can come in and get the restaurant quality experience food, but in a more casual atmosphere where if you want to linger, please do. We have comfortable seats. You know, we have a TV there. We have a little fireplace if you like. But if you want to go out fast, we're going to cook that burger in under five minutes and have you on your way with a delicious meal at a very reasonable price, which is affordable to most. I think that's kind of where we occupy a really unique area. But then again, the next day you may come to us, you might say, I want to sit down with my family and I want to, I want to get a steak, you know, I want to get a martini and you know, maybe the kids want a burger. So, so we'll go to that restaurant. But again, I think a burger is very, it's always craveable. It's always just simple and puts a smile on people's faces that they can be enjoyed in so many different contexts. Um, and I think what we do is we do offer our own very unique way of doing it. And part of that is localizing to whenever we can because again we want the Shake Shacks to each have their own soul and voice. How do you how do you factor in other other metrics of sustainability? Of course there's like the sustainability of continuing like the tradition and the heritage mm-hmm. of the place that you're opening in. How do you factor in things like environmental sustainability or like job sustainability into the creation of like your menu? Yes. What we try to do I mean, my, my part of, of Shake Shack, I think, is always, it's such a small part, but yet it's, it's a vital part in the overall link that is Shake Shack. And we kind of look at it like there are many different stakeholders that are all involved every time we open a new Shake Shack. The number one stakeholder is our employees. We want to do everything we can to take care of them and give them the tools to succeed and make Shake Shack a wonderful place. We always feel if they're happy and they're excited to be at work every day, the minute you walk into place, your order, you're going to kind of feel their energy. You're going to see their happiness and their good vibes, and it's going to make you kind of feel good. And then if more people are coming in to get the burgers and are happy, then our suppliers are happy. You know, we're selling a lot of food. And if we're selling a lot of food, hopefully more people are going to linger in the neighborhood afterwards after they come to the Shake Shack. Maybe they're going to go across the street, go to a store, maybe go to uh, uh, see a movie in that neighborhood. And then if all these people are happy, you know, our team – our guests, 
our uh, purveyors, our neighbors, hopefully it's going to trickle down to our investors too. And they're going to be happy because at the end, they're going to be making some money because we are in business here. And they're going to be incentivized to open more Shake Shacks. But it all starts out with making sure the team is happy and excited to be at work and that it means something a little more to them than just a job. So that's part of what we do. And we look at it a lot differently. I know a lot of people will think about uh, the businesses maybe saying the guest is always the person at the very top of who they're watching out for. But us, it really starts with each other, making sure when we walk in that door every day, we're about to high-five everyone, find out what they did the night before, you know, get the equipment turned on, start cooking some burgers. It's a good feeling. So that's what we're trying to do. I mean, that's the most important thing to us, to make sure the people are coming to work that make us successful in who we are that are cooking the food and providing that hospitality. They're excited. They want to do it. They're engaged. So I'd like now to just jump right into to the product. Do you have a go-to on the Shake Shack menu? You know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big fan of our Smoke Shack burger. And that was a very, very fun burger. It was the first burger we ever added to our menu uh, since the inception of Shake Shack. This was back about four years ago now. And it was to answer the question of, how come you guys don't have bacon on the menu? And we knew it would be too easy just to add bacon and put it on top of our Shack burger. We knew we'd sell a ton. But we thought we had a couple opportunities by adding bacon. We thought, one, why don't we craft a burger based around everything that's great about bacon, the smokiness, the juiciness, the crispiness. And then also, why don't we choose a really amazing bacon, not just for the fact that it's you know, flavorful and good, but why don't we find a great producer of bacon, someone like a, a Nyman Ranch, where they take the way they raise their hogs very seriously, what they feed their hogs. Like, we want to we work with people that the hogs are their family. Um, and we did that. When we launched the burger, what we did was we took a cheeseburger, put it with our signature shack sauce, which is our kind of homage to all the great condiments that have ever been on a burger since the 1950s and the boom of the hamburger uh, era. Has a little bit of mustard, ketchup, mayo, all that good stuff in there with our own kind of added uh, ingredients to really balance the flavors. Then to that, we add the bacon. And then the secret ingredient there that really kind of makes it sing is a chopped and pickled cherry pepper, which adds crunch, it adds heat, it adds spice. But it was kind of a very personal item because I'm Italian-American. And when I grew up, my parents would make pork chops with cherry peppers. And I always remembered how the cherry pepper, the acidity, could cut through the richness of the, the uh, pork chop. And it'll leave your palate feeling not quite as weighed down with all those heavy ingredients. It almost had this bright acidity that washed away all the richness. So to me, it made a lot of sense. I made the burger. I tried to go, huh, it's pretty good. And then I tried, uh, I had all my uh, colleagues come in and try too. And Everyone was blown away. It was probably the fastest we've ever created a burger in the history of Shake Shack or any menu item for that matter. It just had all those elements come uh, into play and it just, it took what's great about the burger, the very basics. It's a great burger itself, but layered more flavors on top to make it a little more unique and composed and one of a kind. So on on the note of, I guess, the time and the process of creating new flavors, Mm -hmm. Shake Shack, super well regarded for its custards. I mean, you alone, I think, have designed, you know, over 300, (laughs) like making you almost like a czar of custards. (laughs) Um, How could you guide us through a a little bit of like the process? When when do you start thinking about, you know, potential things could go well into a custard or on the menu? How do you actualize those? What test kitchens are you looking at? Mm -hmm. And so on. It, it can start either two ways. It can be very contemporary in the moment where I maybe go out to a restaurant and eat something and go, huh, 
this is really, really fun. This, this could make a great custard flavor. Um, there's a great chocolate chip cookie in New York City that I'm a big fan of at a, a, a cafe called the City Bakery. And uh, it's almost like the most crafted Nestle Toll House cookie I've ever had in my life. It's pretty much in the vein of a Nestle Toll House that you would buy and cut up into chunks and bake and it would come out crispy. Except it has really, really great ingredients in there. And I think they, they, they amplify like the vanilla, the brown sugar, and the butter in to make it probably one of the most flavorful ones I've ever had in my life. The minute I bit into it, I said, I'm getting all these flavors. It's very much a chocolate chip cookie, but I've never had such intensity. I like, I wonder if I could translate this into a frozen custard flavor. That took a long time. I actually bought a lot of those cookies and would go back to one of our locations where I had a little kitchen in the bottom and I would blend together different ingredients, maybe a little more brown sugar, a little more uh, butter in there, trying to amplify and get that same profile. It took about two months to get that flavor right. But when we launched it, I got so many emails about people and their connection with the flavor. And they're like, you know, this reminds me of my grandmother's chocolate chip cookie or or wow, I can't remember the last time I had a flavor like this because what made ours different was the actual custard tastes like a chocolate chip cookie. We weren't mixing in cookies or or cookie dough like it's been done in the past. We wanted to make the actual dairy custard taste like you were biting into a chocolate chip cookie. And uh, that, that was a very fun one to come up with. But that came from just being inspired in the moment. At other times, I think back to my childhood and what got me excited when I was a kid. And I I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but uh, Little Debbie snack cakes, various ones, I still think back about how much fun I had eating those. One of my favorites is the uh, strawberry shortcake roll, and I've actually riffed off that many a times at Shake Shack. And actually, one of our more contemporary flavors that uh, is very popular is called oatmeal cream pie, and that is my my little love letter to Little Debbie and... Uh, but that's where it comes from. At the end of the day, I want the flavors to to evoke an emotion in someone. And usually I want them to think something comforting and childhood-like. And you know, Shake Shack's not the place where we're gonna play around with, say, a wasabi pea custard, because I think that would that would challenge too many guests. In the end, some of our flavors do kind of kind of walk that line of maybe being challenging or is it comforting? Like say we did a pancakes and bacon custard where it tasted like you were eating pancakes and bacon. But again, the maple syrup note, you know, that all that stuff coming together, warm butter notes, at the end of the day, people would sigh after eating because it was very comforting. That's so wonderful. And there's such, like, I don't know, whimsy involved in, like, the textural play, too, just, like, throwing off people's palates, right? Like, associating yeah. a certain mouthfeel with a certain taste and you kind of coming in with the custard, like, uh, upsets that. So last year you worked with with David Chang, you know, head head honcho of the Momofuku restaurants, um, to create a, a pretty wonderful like shrimp stack burger. <laughs> uh, I'd like to hear what it was like working with David Chang, um, and if there are any other young chefs like in that whole like cadre or group of people coming up in New York right now that you look forward to working with in the future, or who currently inspire your work. David was. Uh... It was definitely one of the high watermarks of my career because we we collaborated with five different chefs over a week period. Each chef had a, a different burger we would do on a different day. We did a thousand burgers per day. All of these chefs were were mind-blowingly talented, uh, from David Chang to April Bloomfield to Daniel Ballou to even uh, Andrew Zimmer. 
what I loved about David was that was probably one of the most truest collaborations we've done ever. And to me, that means I had to bring something to the table. He had to bring something to the table. Maybe we didn't see eye to eye. Maybe heads bad and maybe they didn't. But no matter what, whatever came out of that was completely different than either of us thought going in. And that was really exciting. That's always been really fun for me doing a collaboration. And David's first thought on that burger was he want he wanted to do a veg burger. And the reason why was with all the other chefs we were collaborating with that week, he's like, I know these guys. He's like, everyone's going to be doing bacon or pork or something like that. He's like, and everyone's going to be thinking, I'm going to do that. He's like, I want to do something out of left field. He's like, a veg burger. And the money that was raised for every burger sold, percentage of that was going to a charity. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, well, veg, veg, vegetable burgers can be really good, but I want to get I want to get everyone to come out and like descend upon that one Shake Shack and, and line up and get these burgers. And I have to say, like for the most part, it takes a lot to make a vegetable burger really sing to those levels. So. I said, well, what else do you have? He goes, well, I also have like a shrimp burger I was working on too. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. But I really wanted him to use our burger patty as the muse. I felt our bun, our burger, it's very it's very iconic as Shake Shack. And I want to have some of that Shake Shack DNA in his burger. So we were sitting around in a room and one of his sous chefs said, well, well what if we seared the shrimp patty and put it on top of the burger, almost like a surf and turf? And we kind of both looked at each other like, oh, wow, that sounds, yeah, that's a great idea. So we quickly cooked one up and took a bite. And everyone's eyes just kind of lit up. And then the idea started to flow. Then someone else said, well, well, you don't want to do bacon, but smoky, smoke, smoke is good. We want to get smoke in here. What if we cold smoke the shrimp patty? And there's David like using some of his kind of a culinary mojo and like his more kind of unique techniques. So they actually were going to make a cold smoke water. They were actually able to infuse smoke into water, then soak the shrimp in that before they made this uh, patty to get the smokiness going. And then the more we kept building the flavors, uh, we talked about using different pickles. So they were all excited. He sent a few of his uh, chefs over to the sister restaurant, Momofuku uh, Noodle Bar, to get pickles. He's like, well, let's try these other pickles. So they started coming over. We made like five more of the burgers. We tried one with lettuce, one without. We all agreed that the lettuce add this kind of crisp note that kept everything from getting uh, a little too heavy. And uh, at the end of the day, when I walked out of there, I, I had a picture of like the whole process of us building this burger, kind of recording it. I looked back and I'm like, this burger's pretty outstanding. I don't think I've ever in my life tasted anything like this, which was cool. And that's why we wanted David to do a burger with us because he doesn't have a history with burgers. What he does when it comes to his sort of food is amazing. He always has so much flavor, so much nuance I can coax. And again, it's a very comforting style he has. So taking his background and ours and getting this shrimp stack burger, that was probably the biggest line we've ever seen in Shake Shack history. At uh, the height of it, six-hour wait. Yeah, in I remember line. seeing pictures on Instagram yes. of people curling around the park just to get this burger. And and I think we both had that moment where we looked at each other and we're like, I, I don't know whether to say, you know, you're welcome or I'm sorry. We didn't want people coming out for six hours here. So uh, it was probably one of the fondest memories I'll have because, again, like we both walked in with completely different ideas. What we walked out of was really born out of that 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 session right there. It was probably about an hour and we walked out and the next thing you know we have this 
this burger that had the entire captured all everyone's imagination in New York that day. So those don't happen often. But I think it was cool that in the moment, I think everyone felt the energy of this creation. Shake Shack has recently, you know, moved in to foreign markets, right? You're opening places up in London. You're opening places up in Istanbul, in Dubai. How exportable do you find kind of classic American, like, home-style flavors to those markets? Um, how, how well do they do there? And then does the pendulum swing back in the other direction? Do any, like, home-style kind of comfort foods in, like, Istanbul make their way somehow back to Atlanta or to Florida or any other of your Shake Shack branches? One thing I've learned in my travels um, is that there every culture has its own form of comfort food. Um there, a lot of them have a handheld something hot, you know, be it a piece of bread or, you know, um, uh, a pita bread. I mean, there's so many different ways of doing a bun where there's usually a meat inside and it's a hot meat and it has all these different sauces and uh, it could be considered to be a little a little fatty maybe or a little greasy, but in the end, it's just absolutely delicious. When I think of like um, going to the Middle East and having um, shawarma. One of, one of my personal favorite vices that I've picked up from my travels uh, or going to uh, Turkey and having donor kebab. Again, you have a meat that's slow roasted, usually a little salty, sliced thin, put on a bread, has a garlic paste on there and some other pickles. At the end, it's hitting all those different parts of your palate. And the fact that it's, it's, it's enrobed in this warm, soft bread that you eat with your hands, it's pretty universal. I, I don't think that's too dissimilar from eating a burger. So we find in a lot of these countries when we go in, we're offering something that's just going to kind of hit people in that spot where they're craving something. It's going to not only take care of like their hunger, but it's also going to make them smile a little bit too because it is a fun food. It's fun to eat and 100% satisfying. Um, and likewise, there's food I've discovered in other parts of the world. Like uh, the first thing that came to mind in addition to like kebabs um, is this, this flatbread in Russia that's called uh, – Kachapuri. And what it is, it's a bread that has a well in it that as it's baked, they put a salty hard cheese at the bottom. They put a, 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 a tab of butter on top and a raw egg. When it comes out, the cheese and the butter have melted. The egg is just slightly set. You can then rip off the bread and dip it in that well of butter, cheese, and egg and then eat it. Oh my God. How, how have not seen that in more places in New York City or anywhere in America blows my mind. But again, I think it has... That same trigger where you have something kind of on the fatty side, the salty side. Again, it's, it's fun to eat. There's nothing uh, more amazing than just warm anything. Warm bread that's soft in your hands that can pick up all those flavors. I think that is very universal. And the more I travel, the more I find it is. Absolutely. So to conclude this, I'd like to ask a question. Shake Shack is going through like a moment right now, right? Like y'all went public on, on January 1st of this year. Um, kind of like the rate at which restaurants have been opening has been accelerating wildly since kind of like the small beginnings as a little hot dog cart mm -hmm. um, in downtown New York. Have you found the acceleration in kind of Shake Shack's growth to influence your ability to work? Like, do you feel more pressure going into the future to just try all these different <laughs> things and to create like, you know, a new yeah. wonderful, imaginative, like custard flavor every week? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. But um, whether it's because we're opening more locations or not, I, I think that that kind of desire has always been there because every year, I keep saying to myself, okay, that was a fun year. We had a lot of fun, a lot of new flavors. We did a few new burgers. What's new? 
You know, I always try to think how can we keep upping our game and and even something like doing a collaboration with a, a chef or two, that could be a lot of fun in the moment. If you were there and you wait in line that day, that David Chang burger was amazing. But would we do that again? Maybe, maybe not. I think we're always trying to look for something that's the next thing that we could do that's fun and it's a little more contemporary. So I think I think as we keep growing, there's gonna be a lot more opportunities to kind of expand and redefine what Shake Shack is. And uh, it's something that I can't wait to do because if we go to a new city, again, say we went to Los Angeles, there's a city that, in my, my opinion, is probably one of the most exciting current dining cities in America right now. I could only imagine the fun I could have trying to do some different things over there. And then if we ever went to, say, South America and opened a Shake Shack down there too, there's a whole new lexicon of flavor and, and culture and that we've never experienced or tried to incorporate in what we do. I think those challenges could be a lot of fun. What might be born out of that could be very exciting too. So I think it is part of the game. We always want to make sure that each Shake Shack, we're kind of taking up the next level every time we open the doors to a new one and, and saying, wow, we thought we thought last year was cool. This is even cooler. So that's something, and it's not just myself. It's, you know, uh, as I try to make sure each location has its own culinary voice, I have a counterpart that makes sure each Shake Shack has its own aesthetic that looks like it was, it was, it's, it's about its uh, environment. It looks like it fits into uh, the square over here in Yale, or it looks like it's, it's part of like, say the Miami um, demographic over there. We never want to have it look cookie cutter that was dropped in. We always want to make sure they blend in. So it takes a lot of time. But every time we open a new one, we kept saying, okay, that was fun. That was great. I love these details. I love how it tastes, but what can we do next? Let's let's take upon what we've just done, these learnings, and just keep upping our game every time we do it. So, Well, I'm stoked to see what Shake Shack does next. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time and for just the delicious images and knowledge you provided. <laughs> well, thanks for having me here. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Great.